Before we start today's show, we have some quick business. Open Your Hymnal is an independent podcast project. That means that we rely on the support of sponsors in order to make this show possible. Without them, we wouldn't be here. So do us a favor and check them out. Today's program is sponsored by Patrick J. Murphy and Associates, organ builders of Stowe, Pennsylvania, an established company of craftsmen and women who are dedicated in the design and construction of all things pipe organ. For all things pertaining to the King of Instruments, contact Patrick J. Murphy and Associates at pjmorgans.com. Tell them Open Your Hymnal sent you. Today's episode is also sponsored by the book God's Cheerleaders. Author and church musician Paul Storm advocates for a dynamic, inspiring Mass every weekend and makes unique suggestions and recommendations not found in other resources. You'll find repertoire plans, cantor checklists, guides for invitation and breathing, and more. For more information and to order a copy, visit godscheerleaders.com. Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of Open Your Hymnal. My name is Matt Reichert. And I'm Zach Stahowski. And we are so glad that you've joined us today. Zach, we are more or less at the midpoint of Lent, so I think it makes sense that we do a little seasonal check-in here before we start today's conversation. Yeah, how have you been doing with your Lenten goals? Well, I think okay. Um, I have to say this has been one of the busier Lents that I've experienced as of late. Um, We've been doing a lot of traveling. We were just at the LA Religious Education Congress. Of course, we had our time in Canton, Ohio just before Lent. And um, there seems to be some sort of March Madness hymn tune bracket going on over at the uh, Open Your Hymnal Facebook page. That's right. The popularity of that has been a pretty pleasant surprise. I would say so. And for our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, um, we decided that in the spirit of March Madness, we would put together a bracket, but not for sports teams, but really kind of comparing and pitting against one another our favorite hymn tunes. Yeah, and we have been really surprised and having a lot of fun seeing how seriously people are taking this. People are taking this perhaps too seriously, <laughs> one, <laughs> one might say. It's it's really been fun to see, but we are moving into the round of eight, the Elite Eight. So if you haven't uh, been following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, do so, and you can get in on the voting. You know, this last vote we had between uh, Cine Nomine and Passion Corral came down to one vote. Anyone could have swayed that one vote. And if you want to see uh, more information about the bracket, the hymn tunes that we are looking at uh, during this season, and also if you want to hear a little recording so you can familiarize yourself, sometimes we think of hymn tunes more by the text rather than by by the hymn tune name. If you go to our website, openyourhymnal.com slash bracket, uh, you can find all of the information about this year's contest there. You know, Matt, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about doing this podcast is, of course, getting to meet the composers, but more specifically, getting to meet some of the composers who, for whatever reason, um, 
you know, you don't see as often in concerts or perhaps uh, in workshop settings at the major conventions, uh, either because they're collaborating with someone else or just doing other things. Uh, for me, Matt, one of those people is Ken Canedo. It was such a such a real pleasure to meet with Ken, and I I had never met Ken before our conversation. I certainly we've been in the same place um, many times, but we never really had occasion to have conversation. And and Ken is just such a, a lovely person in his own right, and a gifted composer in his own right. But you see his name everywhere. I mean, he collaborates and arranges and writes accompaniment for just so many composers and for so many songs that a lot of our listeners would be familiar with. So please open your hymnal to Fly Like a Bird. Well, hi there. My name's Ken Canedo. I am a, a composer. I'm an author. I'm a seeker. Fly Like a Bird, a very interesting song. I didn't set out to write it deliberately. It came at a time after I had been away from the church for a short while. I had done a prodigal turn, and I don't recommend everybody try that, by the way. Uh, but for whatever reason, I was a young man. I decided to, after spending almost my whole life in church ministry, I decided to strike out on my own. And I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area at the time. And this is the early 1990s, I think. And I was, uh, I found myself involved in the East Bay punk rock scene, believe it or not. I was a bass player for several bands in that scene. It was a very thriving scene. But I was, I was involved in that scene. It was quite exciting and ultimately quite unfulfilling. And you can't make money off being a punk rock musician. Uh, I think we, I was in a band and we played at a gig in Berkeley once. The, uh, the club owner was shelling out money at the end of the gig. And we thought, oh boy, this is where we get paid. And he paid us $21. And we had to split that three ways. So I, I was kind of uh, thinking of the prodigal son. And I was thinking of uh, the parable and how... The son was saying, you know, in my father's house, you know, here I am starving in my father's house, even the servants eat well. So I picked up the phone and I called the Diocese of Oakland because I was starving, literally, living in the warehouse. And I said, is there anything I can do to play piano at a local church? And they gave me the name of a church, St. Monica Church in Moraga. And I called up parish and I talked with pastoral associate, Kath McGee, and said, I'm interested in playing piano. I hear you have an opening. She said, sure, come on out. Come to the Saturday evening Mass and check us out. We'll check you out. And so I went to Mass for the first time in a couple of years, and I was very self-conscious. My hair was very long. I had it over my eyes. And then they were singing Mass of Glory. Tears started coming down my eyes, and I kind of knelt down. It was very emotional. I said, why did I ever leave this? So then I spoke with Kath afterwards and played the piano for her. And uh, (laughs) 
she uh, said, what did you say your name is? Because she noticed I was playing all that stuff she put in front of me very quickly, very efficiently. And she realized who I am. So, where have you been all these years? I said, I don't know, but I'd like to come back. So they hired me on the spot. So I, after a few few months of doing music ministry and youth ministry at that parish, I felt like I had come home. I felt like the prodigal son, and I was driving from home to the church to go to work in the morning. I was in the side roads in the East Bay of Oakland, mountain-type roads, and uh, this condor started flying, swooping up and down in the hills. I had to pull over and stop. I stepped out of my truck, and I looked at it. It was like sunrise. Swooping back and forth, very free, and uh, God, this is beautiful. I just kind of soaked it in, and I drove. I drove to my parish. I sat down at the piano, and I thought this melody came to me. I thought about that condor, and flying like a bird, the swooping up and down melody came to me just like that. And I said, "What can I do with this melody?" And I opened up the Bible, and I saw. Psalm 139, and uh, there's one tiny phrase in that psalm that captured my eye. Uh, Where can I flee from your love? If I fly to the heavens, you are there. And I took that one line and turned it into the refrain of that song, Fly Like a Bird. And the verses are loosely based on Psalm 139. It's not verbatim at all, but it's a personal expression of how I'd been away and how I'd come back and throughout all the trials that I experienced in a couple years of being prodigal, God was still there. Oh God, your presence is real. And kind of like after I got the melody, the words came flooding out because of Psalm 139. Where can I run from your love? Where can I hide from my God From the dawn of morning's light To the darkness of the night Oh God, your presence is real And so we introduced it in my parish a few weeks later. At that time we were projecting words so it was quite easy to introduce a new song. And people just picked it up, just like that. And I was flooded by people after Mass. And where did you get that song? Is that yours? And uh, it was after Mass of Glory, this was the next thing that I had published. And uh, I have been surprised over the years with how this song has touched people. I had no plans for it. I just give all glory to God because I was just expressing my joy at coming back after being away. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, no matter how far you think you're gonna stray from the Lord, God's always there. Oh God, your presence is real. And somehow God nudges you and works through you, even in the darkest times of your life. And he's waiting like, like the father in the parable, waiting with outstretched arms. And so that song is an expression of the joy of my coming home.
Every piece of music that is written or arranged stands on the shoulders of influences that have come before it. Uh, Ken has written and arranged in a wide variety of styles, so I was curious to learn about what his musical influences were. You know, people <laughs> people ask me all the time about uh, where I got my gospel from. Uh, I mean, I'm Filipino American, um, but I did grow up in the projects in Los Angeles. My family was very poor, and uh, many of my friends were African-American. And at that time, Motown was really big, and I was getting a heaping helpful of all that great Motown music, The Temptations of the Supremes. I was blasting out of the walls of the various apartments in the housing project. You couldn't help but, to, I couldn't help but to absorb that. Uh, even attending uh, church services sometimes with some of my friends and getting exposed to gospel music. Um, somehow, I just tapped into the whole soulfulness of uh, the gospel music experience, even though I myself are not black. I'm not black. I just tapped into it. It spoke to me in my life. Um, I've never forgotten it. And then I had an encounter with Father Clarence Rivers. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Uh, he gave a workshop presentation in Los Angeles, and I went to it. I was in St. John's College at the time, a group of us went. Father, Father Rivers, of course, is the great composer from the 1960s, uh, who, among other things, wrote that beautiful song, God is Love. And he really expressed his spirituality within the uh, African-American spiritual type of music. And uh, he started singing his songs and telling stories about him, and he had a piano player with him who was an amazing gospel piano player. And I kind of couldn't keep my eyes off him. I was watching his technique. And I went up to meet Father Rivers afterwards, and it was very gracious and very warm. And he, I, he, told, he asked me what I was doing. I told him I'm an inspiring composer. I play church. I play piano in church. And I said, "Do you have any words of advice?" And he goes, "Yes, Canada. Two words of advice for you. First, be good in what you do. Study your music. Be excellent in your music. And the second word of advice." Love the Mass. Truly love the Mass. I've never forgotten that. I never met Father Rivers since then, but I followed his career. I've tried to become the best musician I could be, and yes, I truly love the Mass. And, and that's, he's probably one of my greatest influences. That's where I got the gospel influence from, from Father Rivers and my experience growing up with, in the, in the African-American community as a child. But I also grew up with all that other music that we were doing in church, uh, music by Lucian Das and Joseph Jelinow, Floor Peters, all the classical com uh, contemporary composers of the 1960s after the council, and of course, all the folk mass stuff. All that influenced me. And as the music matured, I was, as I was listening to music by Bob Hurd and Marty Hawkins and David Haas and Michael Jonkos, they all influenced me as I began to understand the importance of writing liturgically, of writing for the assembly. So I have a lot of influences, both 
gospel and popular music and liturgical music. All that shaped me. You know, Zach, in a lot of our conversations with composers, we've asked them about their influences and specifically the composers or the styles or genres of music that have really um, made an imprint on them as composers. It We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that Ken literally wrote the book about these composers um, at the beginning of this history of music coming out of the Second Vatican Council. Well, it's so funny. So many of these songs are still getting sung. So many of the composers are still very active. So it it almost seems funny that there is a history of this now. But I, I, you know, we're all so thankful to Ken that he has begun uh, the arduous work of documenting this story. His approach has been been really lovely, both in terms of you know chronicling what's happened and being very detailed in his research, but also just being a, a a gentle custodian of people's gifts and their contributions and their own um, personal investment in this. And so um, we really wanted to share with you some of Ken's thoughts about this project um, as he describes both what the books are, but also what he hopes they will be for hopefully generations of readers. When Bob Hurd and I were, col- were in college, he had his first songs published by FEL Publications, the Guitar Mass publisher. And uh, the publisher there, uh, Dennis Fitzpatrick, noticed that I was working closely with Bob and said, would you like to do a summer job with us sometime because they needed an arranger. So I said, sure. I ended up working for that company for a few years and got to meet other composers. So I literally grew up in this industry. I grew up with the changes in the liturgy and then grew up in the industry. And uh, as the years have progressed, as I became a composer myself, as I got involved in various public publishing companies, I looked back on this fantastic story, journey of mine, and I realized nobody's telling the story. So it was in the 2000s when I realized, you know, while all of us are still around, somebody needs to tell the story. And my background of experiencing the changes in the liturgy and uh, being involved with FEL publications especially gave me uh, an opportunity to start knocking on doors and calling people and say, what was that all about? It was a thrill for me to track down Ray Rapp and Paul Quinlan and Carrie Landry and and uh, the sister of Father Clarence Rivers. I mean, it was just such a thrill to ask them questions and say, tell me your story. And then I put it all down. So that was that first book. My new book is the 1970s, early 80s story. I would hope that when people read my books, uh, the one thing they take away is the fact that this contemporary Catholic music was not just done because somebody, some publisher said, gave them a quota to fulfill. If you look at the stories that I tell in my books, it's pretty much a surprise to the composers that these, this little song they wrote ended up being beloved and sung by people all over the world. And they always consistently tell me that they were not writing to be published. They were writing out of their own personal experience with God so that their community, the community that they're in, can share in that experience at the table of the Lord. That says a lot to me. That, you know, we keep saying the word liturgical industry, but it's not an industry, it's a calling. So all these songs that we love to sing at Mass came from 
a composer's experience with God. They had a conversion experience, a turning of the heart. They expressed it, a favorite scripture, and they wanted their community to share in that, starting with the heart and within community. That's so important for us in Catholic liturgy. It's not in isolation. All these songs we love to sing today come from that experience. Uh, it's very different uh, sometimes than contemporary Christian music with our Protestant brethren. A lot of that is more the, um, I'm not, I don't want to stereotype, a lot of that is a personal expression of Jesus and me, whereas the Catholic music is more community-oriented and liturgically oriented. I am not the star of my song, Jesus is. When we do music ministry and mass, my piano and I are not in the center of the sanctuary. The altar is. I'm happy to, to kind of be at the side and have my music help people to sing to Jesus of their love for Jesus, or love for God as community. So I guess what I'm saying is what I'm hoping people take away from my books is that this experience of, this personal experience of God expressed within community that's what they take away, that our liturgical music is a community experience, is inspired by the Spirit, and was not part of some kind of industry thing, not at all. It's a personal expression of faith. It was lovely to hear Ken reflect on these conversations that he had with so many composers and pioneers of contemporary Catholic music and how they shared their own personal experience, especially through those songs that they wrote. Um, we were very blessed to have Ken also share with us his own personal experience and his own spiritual journey. Um, I'll say it out, out front, uh, I'm hearing impaired and being hearing impaired uh, is a cross. Um, it's also known as hard of hearing, uh, depends who you speak with. I think I'm soft of hearing, really. But um, it's a cross, and there are many days in my life when I wish I didn't have this, because being hearing impaired um, impairs not just my hearing, but also my relationships, because I don't always hear clearly what people are telling me or in certain situations a crowded room at a party or after mass when everybody's talking. It's very difficult for me to hear because the hearing aids are picking up every single com conversation. Uh, so it's very difficult for me to communicate because of that. But that's why I pay so, such close attention to words, what people write, the emails people send. Um, and I, I try to get at the meaning of what people are trying to tell me. And very often when you have a conversation with somebody, they'll go on and on and on before you get to the, to the point that they're making. Uh, and, you know, I like to cut at the chase and get to the point because I don't have time or I don't have the uh, ability to hear the conversation on and on and on. But I guess that being hearing impaired helps me focus on what the other person's trying to say. Um, I've never let being hearing impaired prevent me from being a musician. I remember when I was a child, I was diagnosed with this deafness uh, in first grade, 
and I, at the same time, I was starting to have an inclination towards music, and I wanted to learn how to sing in the choir and uh, play instruments. And I remember being discouraged by well-meaning teachers who go, oh, well, you know, you might be frustrated by this. I never kind of listened to that. <laughs> um, because music, strangely enough for me as a hearing-impaired person, is very fulfilling. In many ways, as my hearing has decreased over the years, I have relied more on seeing music as mathematics. There are some situations where I really can't hear what's going on musically when I'm playing in an ensemble. Uh, but because I've taught myself music theory and I can see what's going on and I have a sense of that and I can read the lips of the cantor while I'm playing the piano. Music's mathematics, so I kind of follow what I know of music theory to help me play with a, a band or an ensemble or with a cantor. Um, but, you know, I think everybody has a disability, whatever it is, and if we can accept that, if we can accept our cross, I don't mind saying my disability is a cross, we can accept that cross, eventually that cross, like with Jesus, will lift us up. And now, here is a recording of Fly Like a Bird in its entirety. Fly like a bird to the Lord, my soul. I want to soar like an eagle. Though I may journey far away from home, I know I'll never. Be alone Oh God, you know who I am You know my hopes and my dreams In my pondering and my joy and in my tears Oh God, your presence is real Fly like a bird to the Lord my soul I want to soar like a Far away from home I know I'll never be alone Where can I run from your love? Where can I hide from my God? 
From the dawn of morning's light To the darkness of the night Oh God, your presence is real Fly like a bird to the To soar like an eagle Though I may journey far away from home I know I'll never be alone Extend a gentle hand And I know you'll understand Oh God, your presence is real Fly like a bird To the Lord, my soul I want to soar We'll be right back after a word from one of our sponsors. New from GIA Publications. Open Your Hymnal co-host Zach Stahowski and David Haas have released a collection of liturgical music, God Never Tires. God Never Tires features music for a variety of liturgical seasons and occasions. Songs like Stahowski's popular Advent Gathering piece, When You Come. A new wedding song by David Haas. And an urgent call to justice in If Christ is Lord of All. God Never Tires is available as a CD, MP3 download, and sheet music at www.giamusic.com 
Welcome back, everyone. It is now time for the Open Your Hymnal playlist, the part of our show where we get to share with you additional songs drawn from the themes of today's episode. And Zach, I'm going to kick us off today with the first pick. Um, We talked with Ken a lot about how he works with other composers, both collaborating and arranging. So this is a song called Aquaba Welcome, and it's a song that Ken collaborated with composers Ben Walter, Valimar Jansen, Sarah Kroger, and Greg Walton. So Please enjoy Aquaba. Ghana, land of enchantment. People of Ghana put these songs into our hearts by their acts of hospitality, love, joy, and welcome. Come, come dance with us. Come, come sing with us. Smile with us. Aquaba. Aquaba. This is the
As we mentioned in the episode, Ken has certainly positioned himself as the definitive historian on the music that came out post-Vatican II, so we wanted to include an example of one of those songs. So this is Hear, O Lord, by Ray Rep. Hear, O Lord, the sound of my call. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy. My soul is longing for the glory of you. O hear, O Lord, and answer me. In the years now, long ago before I knew of pain my life had never heard of tears though now they come like rain sound of my call. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy. My soul is longing for the glory of you. O Longing 
Ken shared with us that the primary influence for the text of the verses of Fly Like a Bird was Psalm 139. So we want to share with you another very different setting of that same same text. So this is from David Haas and his song, You've Searched Me.
I've really enjoyed this playlist feature because it allows us to share with you the music of some composers that I've always loved, but perhaps is a bit lesser known to our wider audience. And Kathy Powell is one of those composers. So going off the theme of uh, this bird imagery that appears so often in liturgical music, this is by Kathy Powell as the Eagle Soars and Circles.
One of the composers that Ken has collaborated with is Bob Hurd. Most notably, Ken and Bob worked together on the well-known setting Mass of Glory. Um, Ken and Bob released a collection together called Alleluia, Give the Glory, and Bob is also known for some of his use of the gospel style. So we wanted to feature one of Bob's songs. This is Gather Your People with keyboard accompaniment by Dominic McCollar.
for our last pick, we wanted to include another song written by Ken. And we could think of no better way to go out than by including the song For the Sake of Christ. Ken spoke so beautifully about his own personal story and his own personal journey. And so we thought this would be um, an appropriate and fitting way to end the episode. So please enjoy For the Sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ, I willingly accept my weakness and my trials. For when I am powerless, then I am strong. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to Open Your Hymnal, and special thanks to Ken Canedo for speaking with us. Fly Like a Bird is published by OCP. The recording you heard was released by OCP on the album Love Never Fails. For more information about this song, the other songs you heard, links to purchase this music, and additional resources can be found at our website, openyourhymnal.com. Production assistance and support for this episode was provided by OCP and by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. Be sure to follow Open Your Hymnal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes and Google Play. For Open Your Hymnal, I'm Matt Reichert. And I'm Zach Stahowski. Thanks for listening.